You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Kenneth. And tonight we are looking at the Season 2, Episode 11 of Star Hunter Redux, entitled Supermax Redux, also known as Supermax Redux Redux, but we won't call it that. Episode synopsis. Travis and Callie return to the Transutopian with a prisoner. They're carrying a crazy person who hears voices from the Quantum Federation in his ears, which he claims are technologically enhanced. He's nuts, so they don't bother to check them. He's on his way to the funny farm. About that time, a shuttle attacks the Transutopian. Percy, on the bridge, fires back, dealing considerable damage. Travis stops her before she finishes them off. It's Max Fairley, formerly owner of the Transutopian, claiming that his attack runs were accidents and that they could uh, die from the damage uh, that has been inflicted if they don't come aboard. Percy wants to go ahead and finish the job. For once, I agree with Percy. Max, now back on his feet, runs a new version of Supermax Corporation, this one into mining and philanthropic endeavors. He's there with Miss Mina Zooms, which is a terrific stripper name, and Dr. David Dumont of the Martian Dumonts. Having fired upon the Transutopian, then having been rescued by them, Max is going to give them 25% of an outrageous fortune in Omnion that they're going to mine on Ganymede. Just like that. He's a nice guy. Percy doesn't buy it, and I have no idea what's going on in the so-called brains of the other characters. I'll give Travis the benefit of the doubt and say he spots an obvious con game when he sees one. It is a con, of course. They're looking for something. Max wants Mina to distract Travis with her, um, zooms. While David, of the Martian Dumonts, uh, ingratiates himself with Callie, of the Martian Lacadias. Plus, there's a formal dinner in the great dining hall, plus hollow ballroom dancing. During dinner, Percy searches their room and finds a diary. They're actually looking for a highly valuable necklace hidden over a hundred years ago aboard the Transutopian. Travis confines them to their quarters because, for some reason, he can't confine them in the brig. I don't know. Max has provided a sample of the Omnian, an allotrope of carbon, that is both incredibly rare and highly reactive. So much so that maybe they could use it to power their antimatter drive. They start to search, and Zooms overpowers Travis when Crazy Guy's very real associates attack the Transutopian. He's working with Mina, and she's working against Max. They knew that the necklace was hidden in the brig and try to escape. Travis captures them. Travis outsmarts and disables the enemy ship. Max, Mina, and the others are sent to prison, and they discover that the necklace was actually a fake all along. Oh, well, you lose some, you wi- uh, Now you lose them all. The end. All right, Supermax Redux. You know, uh, uh, I'm going to throw this out there and say that uh, we are ahead on on these episodes, right? I think list I think listeners know that, and uh, so there is a there's a point in time where there is the episode that is currently released to 
people out there. And then there are, are the episodes that I have edited. And then there are the episodes that we have recorded, but I haven't edited. So there's, there's three stages. So I can never quite remember whether or not I have recently heard an episode because it's been released or because I just edited it or what. And I didn't go back and look. But what I recall from when I listened to Supermax is that it was probably my favorite episode up I, to that point. I think you're and right. I don't, and I don't remember if there have been any that I liked after that. I but think up it to was. That point, <laughs> I think it was the one you liked in in the first season. First season, yeah. And it, it because it was it was humorous. Um, it was there were some problems with it, but I mean it it had a better tone. The characters were acting a little bit uh, more appropriately. Um, you know, as a team. And so as a whole, Supermax, daft and crazy though it was, was actually uh, kind of entertaining. So in a way, I'm just a little bit hopeful for this one. I'm not sure that it lived up to uh, to the, the high legacy that the, that the original left behind. Um, for me, anyway, what, what do you think of this episode? I found it entertaining. I was, I was laughing at certain points. Hmm. Uh, it wasn't the point where uh, uh, Rudolfo was referring to the mouthful that was Miss Mina Zoom's title. Title. I'm sure it was. He was talking about her title. Yeah, well, that was one. And when Percy saw uh, Marcus and Rudolfo in their tuxedos and called them hopeless boy creatures. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of question whether or not Marcus owns a tuxedo, or or that they have a way to get them made on board the ship. I but, wondered uh, about the wardrobe or Callie's dress. I don't know. When, and, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It, it I, did. I do wonder if there's some sort of formal attire closet in some back room somewhere. That's a possibility. That's a possibility. It depends on what's left over from the old days. I mean, obviously Max and David were wearing suits that were left over from the 20th century. Yeah, um, they were they were absolutely not spaced up in any way, shape, or form. I did notice this. There's one of the numerous differences between season one and season two is that the suits in season one are all spacey looking. There's some futuristic yeah. uh, ex replacement for a necktie, for example. Right, and then we it, get to season two, and it's two piece suits and neckties all the way. Yeah, they were saving on the wardrobe, I guess. I, I, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I am have fought my entire working career not to have to wear a suit and a tie. Um, and then I had positions which probably I should have, but, eh, you know, eh, nerd and needed nerd. So you can kind of get away with some of those things. But, you know, suits and ties have changed dramatically since well since i was born since the 50s i mean look at look at them in the 50s uh, right. hats tie wits come and go tie styles come and go they the do. lapels change out bigger yes. smaller um so when you get to a futuristic show and they put somebody in what is an essentially a regular suit and then i don't know narrow the lapels or or make a you know instead of the kind of jaggy v cut that's typical in a lapel on the outside they they do something straight or they change the way the tie works or they change the way the collar works i actually buy that i actually completely and utterly buy that at the same time screaming at the 
at the cruelty of fate that has still in the future people wearing stupid clothes because business. But, you know, I, I buy it. But when, when they put somebody in exactly what we would be wearing today, it looks wrong. It really stood out as they walked by. I was like, I can even see the formal wear looking that way because formal wear doesn't evolve that much. I mean, yes, there was that period in the 70s with the big cover buns and the pink and stuff. But, you know, by yeah. and large, uh, if you see somebody in a in a uh, a duck suit uh, from or a penguin suit from from the 50s and you see them in the, at, at my wedding, uh, you know, it's yes. the same clothes. So that I can buy. But the. This, anyway, it's a, I, I, just a, an interesting choice. Um, I, I suspect most people wouldn't even notice it, but boy, did it just stand out to me when they walked on. It's like, wow, they're in FBI agent outfits. Right. <laughs> it's like, yes. It's like, yes. All right. I guess. Hey, Muller and Scully. Well, I, I noticed this. Um, this is getting off series, but do um, you remember the, in Babylon 5, the first time you saw Clark? Uh, well, I, I quite literally watched that episode this week. Okay. Then good, that's good week to ask. What, what <laughs> was this last week? I think. Yeah. The first time I saw Clark, if I recall correctly, is when you see him on the video monitor, uh, getting sworn in on board Air, uh, Earth Force. Well, not up. Yeah. Well, Two, you know, one. They trans who knows how they do it. We'll call it Earth Force One because... You know, that's the ship of the president. Right. But uh, I thought he, my understanding is he was intentionally wearing, uh, and it was staged to look like the Johnson. It was. Uh, so I thought he was just wearing, I really wasn't paying attention to the suit. I just it, thought he, he was wearing 60s style narrow tie. He was wearing a suit and a tie. And every other time you see him on a screen, there's no tie. Well, good for him. Good, jolly good for him. Well, I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, I like ties and I like suits. I, uh, they have their place, but it's not every day at the office. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's my my take on that. And I do hate a tie, but just because it's around my neck, I am I'm not a necktie anyway. Okay, you know. Okay, but but so, but there is okay. there is an episode here, so well. yeah, yes, yes, there is, and and I actually have a surprisingly number. Large and number of I wrote a note, I wrote a note here that Percy is especially punchy in this episode. Punchy, as in she wants to hit people, or uh, she's, she's beat uh, up. Both. Okay. Yeah, she definitely does not. Yeah, she seems like she's on tranks or something. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, she's punchy, and then she's she, um, in terms of her, her attitude, her engagements, her interactions with people, her comments. And um, she would really like to shoot Max, and she's very, she's quite trigger happy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to take it's hard to take that seriously. Now, I guess that's that's really the bottom line. You know, it, it's one thing she opens fire on the ship. Okay, hey, they shot at you. Fine, fire back. Uh, maybe even destroy them. Fine, disable them, and then want to keep shooting. Well, I'm not convinced that she could or would do it and or that they would allow her to do it and the fact that travis steps in and stops her and then even after he stops her she still wants to do it like i don't know whether that's wish fulfillment and she's just saying it or whether or not if travis had not walked in she would have blown them up and i'm not convinced she would have blown them up 
but I don't know. Given, given the episode and how many times I've seen it, I think she would have blown them up. And why didn't she just kill, kill him when she shot him in the, in the room? Oh, pity it was on stun. See, that sounds like bravado. That, that sounds like, oh yeah, (laughs) I should have shot you. I don't know. I just, I, I, there's nothing about the character of Percy that strikes me as real at any level. So anything she does just doesn't make any sense. And she's, she's less coherent than the guy in the brig. <laughs> and I guess that's just, eh, whatever. Um, so here's, I mean, I do have a problem with the episode. I have several problems with the episode, but it's not, it's at a different level than, than usual. The usual problem. Max in the first one, was a, a crook. Yes. He was a crooked businessman. And, but he was a businessman. Yeah, he was overcapitalized and he was or undercapitalized and he, and he uh, was willing to do shady things. But I don't know that I would call that a, a con man. It's not the same type of crime per se. And here he appears to be trying to do Let's call it a heist or, you know, a con job. And I can't figure out why anyone would go along with this plan on, on their behalf or, or indeed what he's trying. So let me, let me, you know, if you're going to put together a con, you have to make it believable or you have to make, you have to make it believable that the people who are being conned can be drawn from reality. And I think that's really what you need to do. You need to appeal to their, their, their greed and you need to, you need to nudge them away slowly from from reality and you need to get them to willingly want to go that way and sure marcus and rudolfo appeared to be just lockstep stupid in in line and oh, we're going to get rich let's do it without without the but the problem is is that nothing max says sounds remotely believable at any level and so therefore, as cons go, it's like, I don't believe you. I don't believe that what your ship was doing was an accidental discharge of weapons. It didn't look like an accidental discharge of weapons. It looked like attack runs. And so therefore, we're just starting with, you lied out the gate. And now you're going to give us 25% of something you didn't even have to tell us about. Uh, so, you know, go, but, but, but. Let, let's let's go through it. Step one of this plan is to open fire on the Transutopian, a ship which vastly outguns you. Yes. So was his intent to get destroyed? Because he very easily could have been, which is not a good way to start your con. No, it isn't. And if if the intent there was to get disabled, that's and then hope that they pick you up because, you know, you attack them, they might not. Um, you know, they could accidentally destroy you. Even if they didn't want to destroy you, they could accidentally destroy you. Then you have to beg for help and you make up what appears to be a lie about your life support systems, which could have easily been checked once they brought the Transutopian in. Marcus or Percy could have hopped on a ship and go, there's nothing wrong here. Their life support's fine. You, you come on board and they don't check you. They have reason to distrust you. They don't check you for weapons because apparently, uh, um, Nina managed to hang on to hang on to her hand zapper and then your whole plot is to get them to take you to dinner so you can search 
the dining room and then have them distract a couple of key people while there's three more people on board who are not being distracted while you search for a hidden necklace. That's... (laughs) Uh, This version of Max seems about as bad a crook as the first version of Max. In a wholly different way, yes. yes. And But the problem is the two of them go along with him. And even though yes. Mina's got her her, uh, her Assets. other reasons. Yeah, well, her other reasons, too. The fact yeah. that she's actually a double agent. Uh, Dumont is, if that's even his real last name, because he may not be from the Martian Dumont, after all. And, right. I, I mean, yeah, they want to just kill them all, which puts these in a different level of criminals, too. <clears throat> You know, it's just like, would I believe Percy shot it? Would I believe these people would have just come on board and killed everyone if if Max hadn't been there to stop them? I'm not sure. It just, it kind of... <clears throat> and then, of course, he's actually got Omnium. A little sample, yeah. A little sample, which is probably if, you know, if it's an allotrope of, of uh, uh, carbon, carbon and it's more valiant than diamond, the amount that they had there in diamond was worth a fair amount. The Omnium should have been worth a lot, and yet somehow he's got it. He he has a company that, according to Caravaggio, who checked him, is totally legit, solvent, gives money to charity. Why is he risking this? What? Why is he doing this if he's... <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about that. It's a good, it's a good question. And I have to say is um, two words, Bernard Madoff. Um, who, by all accounts, was at some point an honest man and a really good hedge fund manager and then decided putting money into a hole in the wall and running a Ponzi scheme, apparently for ego. Well, it's possible. But, I, and I thought about that. It's like, maybe this man's just a compulsive criminal. This is not the right kind of crime, then. This is a this is a treasure hunt. This is, you know, if you want to go as for ego, then do a crime where you outsmart people. And this is they're not really outsmarting them. They're just kind of getting around behind him well, and searching for well, something. In, th- in this case, ship. it's just, I'd say agreed because, OK, he has money. He wants more money. All criminals are like that. But usually what they do is they get a good attorney who's a fixer and then they make their crime through. Uh, you know, business means. Yes. N- n- naming, not naming any particular criminal businessman. Oh, I, of course, I, of course not. We all know. But, uh, okay, yes. Yeah, but this kind of crime just seems like a really weird one. Well, to, it's, it's to, like, to a it, weird it, one to, to, yeah, to so expand your, like, I gotta uh, get richer. A number of crimes, which is poorly thought out and poorly executed. Yes. Um, and then, and this is, well, the other two things that, that really get me about this one is he's read the diary. Mina's read the diary. What what do we know about a diary? Let's say it's an actual written diary. It appears to be an, I, I think yes. it's an actual written diary. What do we know about diaries? When do you write a diary? Um, at the end of the day or sometime like that. After you've done the thing. Yes. Okay. So presumably at some point she said she hid the diamonds. Or she hid the, the the Omnium necklace. If this was after she'd been put in the brig, you'd think she'd have mentioned that. And right. she did, because Mina knows about it. Max thinks it's the dining room, because that's when she noticed her husband was flirting. But Mina correctly deduces that it would be in the brig, 
I don't see how Max could have made the mistake that he did. That, I, I, I can sort you know of. What I mean? look, it's obvious to me that uh, Mina is smarter than Max. That would not be hard, but but still, again, like I said, if it's a, it's a diary and it's in chronological order, right. I somehow have a feeling that she's going to go, and then he slapped me in the brig, so I'll teach him a lesson. I hid the necklace. <laughs> As opposed to, then he flirted with a girl, and I taught him a lesson and hit the necklace, and then he threw me in the brig. And it's <laughs> just like, mm, yeah, see, see, I can think it would have happened somewhere in the brig zone, but not in the dining room. And so there's that. And then, of course, the fact that the, that the ridiculous notion that the brig being used by the Montana bounty hunter gang is the same brig when the Transutopian was a cruise liner over a hundred years ago and at least three refits before is absurd. So let's face it, a, a luxury liner, if they have a brig, is really just a cabin that they lock people up in somewhere in the bowels of the ship, not caged bars near the shuttle bay, which were obviously added in when it became a bounty hunter ship. <laughs> so it's like, all right, uh, yeah, uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not terribly I've not bought it. And the fact that no one's looked in that panel right there in the that Percy hasn't looked in a panel in a frequently used room in the ship is because what I saw back there was actually a bunch of circuitry and stuff, right? Right. It's all so good. it's it's not like a just a dead hole in the wall. It was actually a, a service access panel. Yeah. Yeah, that was the that was the, the, the gist of it for me. It's like, I just, I'm not buying this whole, I'm not buying the whole setup because it just doesn't, they could have done well. They could have come up with something. Um, you know, they could have started by just being disabled and drifting in space in their flight path. They knew where they were going. Right. Put out a distress call, get help. Don't need to. Um, also, you, your memory of this is much better than mine. I do not recall that their dinner was in the fine dining room back. I with, did uh, think about that, Dante and uh, Lucretia. That was... I seem to recall it was off the off the side of the bridge, and it was not exactly a stately dining room. Yeah, I thought it was just their mess hall. But yeah. yes, and I did wonder if something happened off camera, or the screenwriter just didn't pay attention to that detail. Speaking of which. Uh, the screenwriter's name, actually, there were two, so um, I guess if someone started, somebody finished, I don't know. Noel Garland and Chris Jones Hansen. Did either of them work on the first Supermax? No. Huh. In fact, the uh, the writer of the, first, of the original Supermax was Julian Ficus. Ah, yes, the plant man. Yes, yes. I remember. Huh. It, well, that's... That's also a little odd that they'd have somebody else pick it up, but uh, and also odd that they decided to bring the character back. Uh, it 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 strikes me as being kind of really you you thought he was okay. I also <laughs> noticed the difference in actors playing Max. That in the first season it was Mister Paul Mari who was mm. bald. Yeah. And in the second, here in the second season, it is Danny Webb. Well, good. I thought he didn't look much like the other guy, but I could, couldn't bother to go look. 
I figured, you know, he's supposed to be 15 years later. Yeah. So if he grew a beard and some hair, which he could have been wearing a rug, I might not have recognized him. I, I seem to think the other guy was basically fatter and smaller, but he yeah. was. And let me see here. Look up IMDb, Mr. Danny Webb. He was in Alien 3. I've tried to erase that movie from my memory. Alien 3, is that the prison planet? Yes. Yeah, all right. Well, I have apparently haven't erased that one from mine yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a really... So he was Morse. Now, I don't remember which one Morse was. I've tried to erase that movie from my He memory. was the code talker, I think. Okay, I take your word for it. It's... <laughs> The Alien, I, um, God help me, I've seen all four of the original Alien movies, not counting crossovers, and only the first one was good. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a controversial opinion. I think many people think <laughs> Alien Two is uh, is kind of or Aliens is is kind of kind of good. Um, but three I'm not and sure four, which is the better film. Three, three and four and are abysmal, awful. <laughs> it's like they're abysmal. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, if the plan had gone to plan, if it, if it had gone to plan, they distract, uh, they distract Montana and Callie while Max finds the necklace. Uh, he, he puts it in his bag and they get to Ganymede and they get off and it's like, okay, where's this mine? Yeah. There's uh, no mine. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. Hell, I, uh, I'm just going to disappear now. You're going to disappear. You're the head of a corporation. And uh, yeah, no, I couldn't quite figure out what his end game was. And it's one of those, it, it's one of those things when you know, you know, a writer has written a story and they know they're never going to actually, the path isn't going to go smooth. So they don't have to think about what his exit strategy was in the first place. And there really isn't a good one for the, for the con job that they've set up. It's kind of, it kind of winds out. So, uh, yeah. yeah. On the other hand, I know exactly what Mina's exit exit plan was. And right. she, she pulled one over on Max. I don't think that would be hard. No, exactly. He is not so, not so bright. No, and I think blinded by... Um, Lust. Um, her Zooms. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I saw in your list of characters that Zooms was spelled Z-U-M-S. Was that from the actual story, or did you, um, did you that got that? that spelling off IMDb. Okay, because I just went straight for Z-O-O-M-S. Um, it, it looks like Zooms, I, I know. Him, but, but, yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, but, um, the end credits um, in the second season are not as detailed as they are as they were on the first season. I was going to say they didn't even they don't even list the people that are actually in the show in the end. No, and uh, at the end I mean, it did it did it, it did list some of the minors. minor ones. Yeah, and the so, minors. Yeah. And so when I was going through these episodes and trying to match up, uh, it was easy for me to match match up who some of the um, uh, sometimes which actor played which part, and then there were times where it was a it was it was a matching game, and I had to pull up the person's IMDb page and see a, a, a headshot. Mm. And then I could match up the actor to the part. Yeah. Not a lot, not a lot written about it out there. So, yeah. No. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about Omnium yes. for a second. Um, obviously the author of this had just learned the word allotrope and uh, <laughs> decided he wanted to inform the audience what that meant. Because he'd like, ooh, ooh. 
Um, there are quite a few of carbon. Uh, as they say, diamonds are one. Graphite's another. Graphene is another. Buck Fuller Minster balls are another. I mean, there's a number of artificial ones um, that we've come up with, some of which have very interesting electrical properties. Right. And I think very interesting other forms of conductive properties. I don't think there's any way that it could be a highly reactive substance, though, because, of course, it's it's quite stable. So that little extra bit that A, Max doesn't know about this property, B, that these guys have just, I don't know, found out about it, and that they suddenly leap to the idea that, hey, we can power our antimatter drive with it, which goes nowhere other than just bringing it back to our minds that, hey, you know, last couple of episodes, they keep mentioning about getting that antimatter drive. That can't possibly be a plot point later on. Um, but here's my question. Can you have a solar-powered diesel engine? Um, it sounds odd, doesn't it? It does. So how can you have an omnium-powered antimatter drive when antimatter is the thing that makes it is the power source for it. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't it would not be an antimatter drive if they got I mean, maybe it could do the same job, but it was kind of odd when they kept saying oh, we could replace it, we could get the antimatter drive going. It's like maybe you should be calling that the hyperspace drive or something, so that we can, you know, get get the idea. But it was yeah. uh, let's see. Uh only two other things. All right. That I have. One is, in theory, based on what we saw in this episode, it is conceivable that Caravaggio has recorded every moment in every location, everywhere on the ship for over a hundred years. Yes. Go now, ahead. obviously, much of it is lost. And that's fine. I can get that. I mean, lost, deleted, whatever. I Is he still doing it? Yeah, um, I think we had a, this conversation about the lack of privacy on the Transutopian somewhere uh -huh. in the first season. Why were they doing it? I mean, why were they recording all of the 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 captain's dinners and all the, the stuff in the in the uh, uh, when it's in a luxury liner in the first place? And uh, you know, yeah, it just it's a I I get that the technology is obviously possible, and I get that you wouldn't necessarily have thought about that in the year 2000 about your, your data privacy, but it's really, it's a staggering amount of data and it's staggeringly useless after a certain period of time. Right. I mean, I could, I could see, okay, let's say, let's say you record everything on a cruise. Okay. And after the cruise, maybe you've got liability for five years, seven years. For something that happened on the cruise, that they might file a lawsuit against you. It's like, oh, I got sick from the oysters or whatever. Um, I could see how you could pull that up in court and go, here you go. He was never sick. <laughs> it's like, or, you know, whatever it happens to be. So I could, I could get that as a CYA measure for the cruise line. It's just odd that it would even potentially still be there after 100 years or at that level of, of detail. Um, and... You know, would, wouldn't Dante want to, either Dante, either Montana, want to have that going all the time when you've got prisoners on board the ship? Because if something goes wrong, 
there you go. You have a record. You have a record or you have clues like, oh, he's escaped. Where did he go? I don't know. Pull up the tapes. Oh, there he is. Yeah. It's just, hmm. Caravaggio is just, his his abilities are odd. And we've had that discussion. Anyway, that right. was that was really it. And, then, and I guess the one other thing that I want to say that is not not to that point, to a different point, is that although I wouldn't call this a great tragedy in the end, it could have been, right? The two assistants could have come on board and just killed everyone and then searched the ship, right? Or or the the the, the crazy guy, which I can't believe they didn't check to see if he had transmitters on him. But okay, the, the crazy guy's associates came in and killed everyone on the ship. And took the stuff. So I mean, there there are real real world consequences to this necklace, which, which turned was out to, a lie. Which yes, which turned out to be cubic zirconium. A hundred year old lie is still causing grief. Yes, that's in some ways that's the most interesting part about this to me. I, I know that's a kind of a trope where I can't think of any examples right off the top of my head where. But, you know, it's like, oh, it's a valuable treasure. I think maybe there was a Gilligan's Island episode. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like the one where they were trying to find the rest of the map that showed how the, the map of a route to get off the island. And the professor finally gets all the pieces. And it's a route. It's no, it's a route to get on the island because <laughs> that was more valuable to them. I, I You know, the big lie kind of thing. But it's a trope, but it, it's still an interesting idea that all that misery and what could have been much worse misery caused by just a, a a jerk husband and uh and his wife and i wonder if he ever got to claim the insurance on that he probably Cause, tried because <laughs> because did he did the insurance company think it was omnium or uh was it just you know who knows uh i think that i mean that's the that those are the main points that came to my mind uh when i was watching the episode do you have anything i do um I did notice that now the crew has four prisoners to turn in at Ganymede. Yeah. Um, just think about the bounty on that. That's a good question. Did what, what were their crimes? Uh, well, for Mina, at least it's uh, fraud, at least seven counts um, uh, that, that came from dialogue. And yeah, uh, seven sentences. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then for crazy guy who is Quigley, that's his character's name, by the way. Mm. Uh, he's, um, I guess, going to the funny farm anyway. And well, probably, now, was that real? Uh, well, he seems to have some, uh, that's a fair question that the episode doesn't answer. <laughs> the On the other hand, we know that he's complicit in this attack, so that's probably another charge right there. I'm sure that the, the, I'm sure that the people who launched the attack the raiders, let's call them raiders, even though they're not raiders, the pirates right. that tried to attack and destroy the ship and take the thing. I'm sure there's a crime there. And I guess Max has got a crime for taking some pot shots at the Transutopians. So there's yeah. one, but... And David, what, whatever his name is in real Dumont. life, is, oh, yeah. is complicit in fraud. So there you go. What is the fraud? I mean, seriously, what is... I mean, yes, they are they are lying... Isn't that what fraud is? Well, kind of. I mean, you're allowed to lie if, depending on what the outcome of the lie is, right? And and so, are is it fraud because their intent is to steal? Is it 
because that's really what they're trying to do. They're trying to steal something that they think is on the Transutopian. So attempted robbery, uh, using false, false pretenses. I, Fraud usually you know, involves false pretenses. Right, but if I if I if I came to your house and I showed you a fake ID and said I'm from the gas company, I'm here to check the mains, and then you come into the house and you steal something, is that fraud or is it theft? That's theft, isn't it? Of course, it's I'd, theft. I'm not a and, lawyer. And I'm you just didn't going de- right, off what I guess right. here. You didn't defraud them out of anything. You didn't. You didn't say I'm from APS. Give me a hundred dollars. You know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, if they had, if they had tried to get them to turn over the necklace to them under false pretenses, that's definitely fraud. Absolutely, getting on board the ship under false pretenses, they're not. Maybe it just, it just seemed like it's kind of an odd, it's kind of an odd arrangement. So then they're just going to show up at the other at Ganymede and turn them over, and by the time. They get back to the ship. They've already been sentenced, convicted, and sentenced. I took that more as a as a prediction. Oh, could be. Uh, I could be. I I wasn't sure, but wouldn't they have to testify at the trials or stuff like that? It just it's like okay, yeah, they're crooks, so hand them over and off you go. It's like well, they're not crooks till proven crook guilty, except maybe on Ganymede. Who knows? <laughs> but. It's a corrupt system, but yeah. yeah. Just and why would they be transporting a crazy guy? The to a to a mental institution, mental not institution, to a prison. To a, yes. Yeah. The as we have established earlier in this season, the authorities quite often hire bounty hunters because that because the red tape is so thick. Is that even the is that even the police's job? I don't know. It technically I, I, I it should be some official person's job, one would think. Or, or perhaps the Neural Institute to come get them, or I, I don't know. Um, the, the, I guess the, if they're dangerous, then it might be. Yes. I don't, apparently in the solar system of 2300 in this series, the there are, is no futuristic equivalent of people in white uniforms carrying nets. <laughs> Big nets, yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, that was, I don't know. It, it just... Oh, and then, of course, the other question uh, is, if if these are crimes, okay, so they got, on, they got on board under false pretenses and their attempt was to steal something. And Travis says, throw them in a brig. And Callie says, I'm not sure we can do that. Why not? Why can't you do that? You actually had a, this ship 15 years ago had a standing rule that unintended passengers ride in the brig. Yes, it did. So why couldn't you put them in the brig? That seems like the right place to put them to me, except it would have probably screwed up their plans, uh, Mina's plans, because then crazy guy couldn't have called in the other ship without giving it away to Max and David. Right. But I thought that was very surprising of all people for Callie to be the one going, yeah, no, no, I'm not really sure we got the, we can do that. Why can't you? They opened fire on your ship. No investigation has been conducted on whether or not that was actually accidental or not. And then they tried to admitted they were trying to steal from you. I think you can put them in the brig. Yes, You're a can. bounty hunter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only other point I had is one uh, is this. I remember that in previous podcasts for this and other series, 
you have mentioned doors. Yes. Yes, especially the design of doors. Yes, that's true. Space doors. Space doors. Space doors. This, I did notice that the door at Max's quarters is of a is a fairly conventional inverted U. Yep. Uh, and as opposed to that standard design for quarters, the one with the two spikes in the left and the right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I'll ask the question about the door. Uh, Percy shot Max left. She stunned him. Oh, did, yes. She, and did she, she left. have to push the door? She had to push the door open, didn't she? Yes. Okay. So that explains why the door is left open. I'm surprised that Percy can push a door open. Or indeed that anyone else can push open one of those doors with no power, which I assume that's why they had to push the doors open. Apparently. Lights were still on and stuff, but yeah, okay. Yeah. I I thought that was kind of odd that they that they made a big deal about everybody pushing the doors open and to get thrown at the point anyway. Yeah. Alright. Um I also did notice this time, one of the very few times, I noticed the very prominent logos on the walls in the dining room. Yes. Which kind of looked phallic to me. Mm-hmm. I did not see a tulip in that. I looked no. hard. I could not see a tulip in that there design. Is no tulip. I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be, but it, it was supposed to be something, but I, I'm not sure what it was. You know, I did notice Marcus perked up when they showed ballroom dancing. Yes. In the previous episode, Ooh. he talked about how much he liked ballroom dancing. Yeah. <sighs> I hope I hope they get all dressed up and go down for dinner every episode from now on. So, <laughs> Actually, we'll, we'll never see this set again. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. And they lost the swimming pool, apparently. So yeah. um, I don't know if it went into the library or what, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what is the next episode? The next episode of Star Hunter Redux is Pandora's Box. Haven't we already had an episode by that name? No. Have we had an episode with the name Pandora in it? No. Huh. I wonder if some other show I've done for the podcast had that episode. Boy, that, I mean, not just the fact that Pandora's box is, is famous, but oh, darn, that sounds awfully familiar. Like, anyway. I can, I, I can believe box. that the um, name Pandora and the term Pandora's box would show up in various yeah, episode titles. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay, but... Um, my, I'll repeat what I said in the previous Star Hunter Redux podcast, which is that the second season feels like two half seasons. Okay. And the, and this episode, episode 11, is the end of the first, of the first half, half of the first half season. Okay. And I think last time we checked and there was no difference in the air dates. So it's not no. like it's modern shows where they show you a bunch and then go off for a while and then no. come back with another batch. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be interested to see what they do with the show from this point forward and see if they, their third version, they can try again. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Kenneth, thank you for joining me. It's my pleasure. Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Fusion Patrol, we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol or buymeacoffee.com slash fusion patrol. 
For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash FusionPatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.